Borderlands Cooperative. Join us for critical conversations about things that matter. Every Friday at 10am on 3CR Community Radio, 855am on your dial. And on 3CR Digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. So together, let's think again about important matters affecting us, like economics, politics, education, health, climate, and what we can do about it all. Welcome to our 169th program of Think Again, live from the 3CR studio. Think Again is presented to you by Borderlands Cooperative, an organisation working for social change for about 25 years now. Jacques isn't with us today, he's with the Borderlands book sale in Footscray, but we are very privileged to have Noonga author Claire G. Coleman in the studio today, and especially as she's just won the Queensland Literary Award on Nonfiction. So welcome to the program, Claire. Good to be here. Mm. It's great to have you here, Claire. So I'm going to do a bit of an acknowledgement today. Um, I'll start with... Uh, everyone or everyone knows I'm Jennifer, but I'll tell a little bit about my ancestry. I'm Catalan on my father's father's side, English on my father's mother's side, and Irish through my mother's family. I was born in Springvale on the land of the Wadurang and Boonwurrung people. And I'm currently very privileged to live on the Wurundjeri, Woiwurrung country. I'd like to acknowledge the people here who are part of the program, especially Claire, and I'd really like to express my appreciation for her courage in putting herself on the line again and speaking out the truth, and it's not easy for people who are doing that. And so I'd like to really acknowledge her courage, her generosity and her incisive intellect that she puts at our service, and the world's a lot better place for it. So thank you for that, Claire. I'd like to acknowledge the listeners, um, and I'm, we always feel very honoured by all the people who put the time aside to listen to us and to pick up the podcasts, and we never take that for granted. And of course, I'd like to acknowledge 3CR for providing a platform for alternative voices and activists' voices for over five decades now, and especially uh, um, acknowledge the Aboriginal elders and activists and leaders who have found a voice and a platform through 3CR, a really valuable platform, I think. 3CR is on the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. And I think at this time of year, it's, um, it, the Aboriginal season, pretty. it's got a rough approximation of the European season of spring. So everything would have been teeming with life. There would be tadpoles, frogs laying eggs, snakes and lizards coming to life kangaroos ready to jump from the pouch. There would have been flowers all over the ground and the kingfisher, I think called the kingfisher, would have been returning home from north. And apparently this time of year, uh, Aboriginal people moved around a lot in this season, um, really enjoying the bounty of nature and especially coming to mind, I think, of the Murnong daisy with um, Aboriginal people using the tube as a staple of their diet. And when they harvest it, leaving the land in a way that more Murnong daisies will grow in the future, not destroying the land as they used it, of course. And with all that in mind, I'd like to pay my respects to Wurundjeri elders across time, past, present and into the future. 
Um, I'd like to acknowledge that I live and work on the lands of Wurundjeri country, who's lands on right now, and I um, have a, the greatest respect and appreciation to their elders past, the elders present who have welcomed me on multiple occasions, and the young people who are going to be the elders of the future. And yet, speaker season is actually um, towards the end of Jilba right now, Jilba, the, the Noongar season that coincides with spring on my country. And around now, the um, the greatest wildflower display on earth would be happening on my country mm. as we speak because mm. it's like the late Jilba, early Cumberung, which is the next season when the wildflowers are really um, coming to their own. And, of course, my ancestral country is famous for being the um, of having one of the greatest wildflower displays in the world. Mm. Thank you for oh. that, Claire. So in today's program, we're looking at, to, to move to a sort of darker topic, <laughs> uh, we're looking at the Queen's recent death and all the really over-the-top responses and blanket media coverage that came with that. In particular, we're looking at the meaning of the Queen's death for different Aboriginal people as reported in the media. So for my part, I've always been quite surprised and, and sort of impressed in a way at the gracious way Aboriginal communities have received the Queen when she's visited at different times. Um, after all, I, I think, isn't she the figurehead of the colonising invaders that have wrought so much havoc on First Nations people? So I read with great interest what different Aboriginal people have been reported as saying about the Queen's death, um, some pointing out that the Queen has been responsible for colonisation, genocide, um, stealing the land from Aboriginal people illegally, um, which is what stealing is. But many people, uh, Aboriginal people, have been quoted saying very favourable things about the Queen. Um, and even I read an article in The Age and I thought this will be interesting and there was um, like one article, um, one small part critical and all the rest of the quotes were really favourable. So I contacted, I thought it would be good to explore this a bit further and I contacted Claire G. Coleman to help me and help us make sense of this a bit. And this is the third time she's been here, so thanks again, Claire. So help us. Oh, actually, I'll, I'll start with some of the more favourable things Aboriginal people have been reportedly saying. So um, many um, uh, Aboriginal people are apparently very sad at the Queen's passing and they remember her visits to their communities with great respect and affection um, and often being very appreciative of the respect and courtesy that she showed. Senior Aboriginal leaders are reported as saying the Queen inherited her role and she's therefore not to blame for past atrocities. It wasn't her fault. One said that the Queen has shouldered her responsibilities with consideration, poise and grace and she was not personally at fault at all because she merely inherited the system she's part of. Um, and a, another Aboriginal person was um, quoted as saying she um, the Queen came to the throne more than a century and a half after colonisation and she inherited what he called the, in quotes, predicament. <laughs> so that sounds quite euphemistic, <laughs> which Claire's laughing over there, but you might hear her. So I know that's a lot to put to you, Claire, but I thought that could stimulate some of your response. So what do you have to say to that? <laughs> well, I, I'd, I'd like to start by... By saying, um, yeah, it it was certainly um, the passing of anybody is is tragic for their family and, the, and for the, their loved ones. On the other hand, um, this in a way the smartest thing 
the colonizers could have done historically is have a nice old woman as the head of state at this time when everyone's calling for monarchy, um, for sorry for um, republic or for ending the monarchy. It's it's like she's the best PR they could have had. Is yeah. is that is Queen Elizabeth II? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm sure that she was as far as colonizing um, royals go. She was an okay colonizing royal, I suppose. She was certainly <laughs> charming and. Um, a snappy dresser, but on on the other hand, um, she inher- yeah she inherited her role, but she also inherited the wealth, and she inherited the power, and she inherited um, the colony. And um, it has been said by many people recently that as long as she was still receiving um, wealth and advantage from her inheritance, then she is responsible for what is done with that inheritance. There's that saying which is no one's responsible for their accident of birth, but they're responsible for what they choose to do with it. Mm. She's not responsible for being born the Queen of England. That's not her fault. She didn't do that. (laughs) But she's responsible for the fact that she could have publicly stated that the treatment of Aboriginal people in by Australia was unacceptable. The United Nations has said this multiple times. Mm. So why is our our head of state never said that something needs to be done about the treatment of Aboriginal people? Mm. Um, she's wealthy because of the treatment of Aboriginal people. Mm. Um, there's power because of stolen power and wealth from stolen land, uh, and she could have, and then she could have done something but didn't. And also, we forget that um, the stolen generation was still happening during her reign, mm. and was those laws had to be um, accepted until. I can't remember exactly when the law changed, but there was a, for, for a long time of Australia's colony until relatively recently, mm. um, the Queen had to sign off on all laws, and mm. so that means any racist laws that were passed until that point were signed mm. by the Queen. Yeah, and the Queen could have at least made a public statement mm. against the abuse of Aboriginal people, but never did so. Mm. So, I'm sure. I, I think the reason the reason the Queen has managed to keep the monarchy in power is by not rocking the boat, mm. intentionally not rocking the boat. So therefore, mm. um, she didn't rock the boat for to make things worse, mm. but she didn't rock the boat to make things better either. Yeah. And like the, you know, the, the more money and power you have, the more responsibility you have to use it wisely. And I don't think she did. I think mm. for like the last 20 years at least, in my memory, not much has really happened. Mm. Um, anyway... Um, I, I think we've we've learned that we don't need the monarchy, and in a way, if I can be a bit crass, the royal family are treated like a British Kardashians. <laughs> <laughs> They're just there to be the the visible face of a system. Yeah, the 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 royal soap opera. It's, yeah, it's a, it's a giant soapy. It's a very very expensive soapy. Yeah. So I guess um, I'd really love to get your feedback on this comment. One Aboriginal leader even said we ended up with the best colonisers in the British. (laughs) And it could have been much worse if it was the Spanish or Dutch, which I thought was a pretty astonishing observation. So I'd really like to hear what you think about that. Well, the the ridiculous thing about that is... (laughs) Um, I'm not going to say who said it. I know who said it, but the, that just shows a a severe lack of understanding of history in that we know that the Dutch got here first mm. by 170 years. They could, mm. The Dutch could have colonised but didn't. Mm. Um, the Spanish could have colonised but didn't. Yeah. And this idea that the, the English were somehow not as bad, that's like saying, would you rather be choked to death or stabbed slowly? 
it's it's like or or, or the, it also ignores the fact that the the English still have the largest number of still in existence colonies. Yeah, uh, quite incredible. Most Spanish or um, or Dutch colonies had not nowhere near as much genocide. Yeah, and people have, and they're now kind of are no longer colonies. They they they're completely independent, and yeah, the genocide was like, like no. Okay, sure, the conquistadors in South America were pretty brutal. Yeah, that's true. But they didn't move in and then. Then leave, um, destroy everyone until there's only like three percent of the population left oh. as in, in First Nations. But in USA, Canada, and Australia, that's exactly what happened. It's just, it was astonishing because I know even looking at the history of the area that I'm in, Wurundjeri, uh, Wurundjeri country, um, the local population was devastated pre- pretty quickly, even through disease that came down in, yeah. from New South Wales. Um, so smallpox. So a lot yep. of the population was just wiped out by smallpox. The other thing too is I mentioned the Murnong Daisy. That was all wiped out by hard-footed animals and people mm. settling along the riverbanks. So the staples of the Aboriginal people's diet that their whole culture and way of life was built around and moving mm. with the seasons, uh, that was decimated. So, so hence dependence on flour and tea. <laughs> yeah. So it's, there's nothing... There was nothing good about the British. This idea that the British are somehow better is like a, um, it's kind of like a, a almost a, a white nationalist fantasy about the British being better people, and it's it's not true at all. It's quite yeah. Well, thank you for validating my own astonishment and my reality. Thank you. Um, so I think we'll have a music break on that note, and we'll come back after that. Oh, the I should announce who the music is. It's the. Chintu Desert Band with Walpa Wari.
listening to Think Again 3CR 855 AM on your dial 3CR digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. I'm Jennifer Burrell and today I'm talking with Noongar author Claire G. Coleman and she came to the studio for us which is great and we're talking about the Queen's legacy and the different responses to a death from Aboriginal people as reported in mainstream media. So, Claire, I'm going to throw another really interesting quote (laughs) or comment at you. Uh, One Aboriginal leader said that the Queen lived a life of service and she was a loving, also a loving wife, mother and grandmother. And she said that King Charles will be a thoughtful ruler. (laughs) So... They, this person threw that in as well. What do you think of that? It seems to be endorsing rule by the English royal family well into the future. <laughs> well, look, yeah, I'm, I'm sure the Queen was a loving wife, mother and grandmother. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not sure she was a loving mother-in-law. Well, that, that, <laughs> <laughs> not for Diana anyway. Or, or for Megan. But, yep. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and she also, I mean, she's... She's such a loving mother that she's famously protected her children from all their evils, from the consequence of, all, of everything they've done. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I don't know how she could have lived a life of service. People always say talk about the Queen's hard work, and mm. no, um, someone who has I think sixty women whose job it is to to answer her mail, do everything. Anything. I think she had sixty ladies oh, in really? waiting, sixty full time staff whose job it was just to do everything for her. God. And whose job really is to is basically to wave and smile a lot. I don't think that's really a job of hard service. I know people who've worked hard, and and there's nothing about being one of the richest people on earth and not to, having to do anything to earn it that is hard working life mm. or service. Mm. So um, I, I think that's a that's a kind of a classic um, cop out of what the hell are people thinking by it? by saying that she was a thoughtful or um, a hard working or life of service. And Charles, I mean, he might be a thoughtful ruler, but he's, he has never shown any evidence of being a thoughtful person. Mm. So, I mean, maybe he is, but his public persona has, has been a bit of a laughing stock. And, and who wants, I mean, how could he be a good leader if his first day of work is 10 years after retirement age? <laughs> and his, at his job, his job of being king, 10, ten years mm. after he should have retired, he mm. starts being king. I'm not sure that I'm not sure there might be a lot of people listening who might say older people have a lot to contribute in the workforce. They do, yes, but he's never done it before. Yeah, so that's true, actually. And also, they say he's thoughtful. Well, he's his personal because he he went from having the prince's staff to the queen's staff. His entire staff were sacked on the day of the Queen's memorial service by email. Oh, that's really <laughs> terrible. That's not thoughtful. That's like really cold and and slightly sinister. So I don't I don't think we could ever imagine Charles being a thoughtful ruler. Yeah, and I guess I also wonder why you know, we sort of collapse the personality of the players with the royal family itself and the institution mm. and what the institution's doing and what it's responsible for and the wealth that it's gathered from colonisation and kept, yeah. really. Um, and with a lot of um, interesting tax arrangements, I understand. Um, so well, the, the, the royal family of England own three islands in the Channel directly <laughs> and anything on that happens on those, island, on those islands, which I think... Um, I think it's Jersey, Isle of Man, and somewhere else. Yeah. They, nothing that happens on there is taxable. Yeah, and I mean, I guess as for the Queen being a nice person, 
she probably was a nice person. I have no idea. Well, the but, institution isn't nice. Um, but I've got, I know lots of nice people and they're not living in castles and people queuing for days when they die. <laughs> like, yeah. like, like it's the, um, and she was always very strict about keeping the person that her personality out of the role. So for except, me, the, the role was irrelevant. the role was her personality. Mm-hmm. The, towards the end of her life, it, it all became about the queen being the queen, not about the queen being um, representative of a system. What mm-hmm. she was doing was she was um, being a smokescreen for the monarchy. A by, PR, great yeah, PR. Phase. She's a big PR. She's a PR asset. Yeah, which the funeral was um, certainly. Mm-hmm. So I guess for me, it would be her personality is. Not so relevant. It's should we be still being ruled by a distant monarch in England? No, we should definitely not be ruled by yeah. a distant monarch. So, um, I must say, um, the following, um, following the Queen's death, some Aboriginal leaders uh, have talked about the need in Australia to acknowledge the truth of colonisation. So, I, I guess I'm moving now to you know what are some of the things that need to be done, and you've talked about that a lot in the past and in your writings, mm. Claire. And so um, we need to acknowledge, some are saying we need to acknowledge the truth of colonisation, and Aboriginal people are certainly saying that, Um, not just um, past colonisation, but what's happening now. Mm. And and one said we should have a day of mourning for Aboriginal people. Um, We're so quick to do it for the Queen. So I think you're going to agree with that. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And the thing that shits me to tears constantly is the government says it's too hard to change um, Australia Day. But they called a holiday on a week's notice for the the passing of the monarch, and really the reaction around the 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 queen by the people who always say we're not a colony anymore. If you say we're a colony still, there are certain people who say that's silly, we're not a colony. But then those same people will um, basically fawn over the queen at, at her passing, yeah. like like colon- like colonials. Yeah, yeah. And look so, what's happened to Marunda Hospital. And Marunda Hospital with with um our premier, who I've always had respect and for respect for and shown my support for, stating he's going to change the name to Queen Elizabeth II Hospital. Not only is that unnecessary, but at a time we're now talking about finally talking about becoming a republic, it's a ridiculous idea changing it from an Aboriginal word, which wasn't the hospital wasn't named that it was named that because it was on a highway with that word, but that's but, but it's that's an Aboriginal word, Marunda. Yes, it's yeah. an Aboriginal word. So changing a name from an Aboriginal word to the name of the dead monarch, when we spoke, when we start, we finally like when the Albanese government has a minister for the republic. Mm. Um, it it just it just it it just seems like um, we pay lip service to the idea of of being a being post colonial. When we, when Australia, well, particularly non-Indigenous Australians and some Indigenous Australians seem unsuited to the idea of no longer being a republic, yeah. and we're no longer being a constitutional monarchy. Mm-hmm. And if we're a constitutional monarchy, um, with the with the um, the only person who can be the ruler of this country is the Queen of another country or the monarch of another country, not the Queen now the King of another country, then we are no. Then if if that's our law, then we are still. By the letter definition, a colony, yeah, and we'll continue to be a colony until we, until we we um, get rid of that that conceit in our law, the constitutional monarchy yeah. part, yeah. and start con- and we can't even begin the process of decolonization until we get rid of the British monarchy. Yeah, and I guess um, I would add to that in Victoria, we're talking about truth and treaty, 
So yeah. we're talking about truth and treaty, um, acknowledging um, Aboriginal people as the true custodians and that invasion happened, colonisation mm. happened. Uh, but then we want to change the name of a hospital from the Aboriginal name to, as you say, to the to commemorate the Queen, at the same time that the city of Moreland is changing its name from Moreland, which was um, named after a slave plantation owner, um, and changing that to Marybeck, which is um, a, yes. one of the options put up by Aboriginal people, meaning, uh, I think, rocky country, mm. stony country. So there's, there's this, it seems that, again, like everything else, um, all of our talk about truth and reconciliation and treaty and decolonizing is nothing but lip service. Mm. And um, I, I, for one, am sick of it. I'm yeah. sick of the government just talking about things like treaty, but then going along in their merry, um, colonized way. Yeah. So I, I can understand how you're sick of it. And I've heard other Aboriginal leaders say they feel burnt out because they're fighting for years. And when you seem to be getting what you're asking for... I take some, a step back. Take a step back. Mm. And somehow the sincerity of it seems to be undermined. Yeah. The meaning it's very insincere. Yeah. So thank you so much, Claire, again. It's really great to hear your views expressed so pithily and directly. And we really need to hear more of this, I think. And shame on our mainstream media, but here we are, <laughs> holding up the fort, dare I say, yeah. here. But we have come to the end of our program, so I do thank you so much, Claire, for generously coming into the studio in person today to share your insights once more. And, and I would say speaking truth is a powerful action in itself and all action for a future, a better future, has to be based on truth, not lies. And I think that's something we should all agree on. I, I, I agree. And um, as long as I'm still breathing, I will always fight to tell the truth of what this colony is. Thank you, Claire. And remember to look after yourself too. <laughs> That's important. We don't want to lose you to burn out. Yeah. So um, for our community announcements today, Borderlands has um, started its used book sale, which goes from the 6th to the 8th of October, uh, which is um, from 10am to 5pm, and that's in Footscray, 30A Pickett Street, Footscray. So go along there if you want to have a chat with Jacques or I'll try to get there tomorrow, but I'm here holding the fort for the program today. So the book sale has thousands of books ranging from social sciences, education, politics, economics, psychology, uh, peace studies, Aboriginal studies. So feel free to drop in and browse and have a chat, even if you don't want a book. <laughs> but we hope you would. Uh, finally, I would like to thank all our listeners for tuning in to Think Again on 3CR Community Radio today. If you want to contact us, you can email Borderlands, borders at borderlands.org.au. Our programs are available by podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, or via the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au. I did it.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.